most of us don't really feel heroic. Getting through life and our routines can seem difficult in itself. But what if you could transform slowly and steadily into the kind of person you idealize? What if you could be your own hero and live out an adventurous movie-like life? What if by understanding this, you could also learn to move forward, transmuting all adversity into opportunity? Well, this week on the Sovereign Women Movement Show podcast, we are going to be talking about the hero's journey, transmuting adversity into opportunity. And we'll be looking at some yogic tools to help us do this. Welcome to the Sovereign Woman Movement Show, where it is our mission to awaken the women of the world spiritually by empowering them with the holistic tool that they need to heal body, mind, and spirit. And so we can bring in an enlightened society as this old one crumbles. Enlightened, of course, meaning ones that accept themselves fully in their wholeness, both the dark and the light. Satnam and God, morning, beautiful goddesses. Thank you so, so much for being here. Welcome to yet another beautiful, miraculous Monday. Today is also the first day of February. Happy February to all of you. February, of course, when you think about February, a lot of people start to think about, you know, love and they start to think about Valentine's Day and they start to think about romance and things of that nature. But more importantly, this month, it's really interesting because I love how the cosmos teaches a lot of wisdom, but the cosmos actually are putting a big uh, pressure on relationships this month. And it started with the full moon that just passed uh, last week with the planet Venus. Venus is the planet of beauty of relationships, not only the relationships that you have with others, but the relationship you have with yourself and your own personal identity. So this morning we had 6 a.m. sadhana inside of Satori Wellness and Spirituality, which is my virtual community for goddesses, self-healing, taking their sovereignty back. And I was mentioning to them that even though people are going to be thinking about Valentine's and things of that nature, regardless, the planet Venus is going to be really putting a lot of pressure on our relationships. This month, also, we have about, I think it's six to seven different planets that are going to be stationing conjunct Aquarius. Aquarius is of the future, age of Aquarius. So it's going to be bringing forth the future very, very, very quickly. And so what Venus is going to be doing is going through different aspects of the signs and of the planets. And really what's going to happen is that those relationships that are no longer in alignment with your truth and identity or Satnam will be falling apart. And I'm talking about romantic relationships, business relationships. I'm talking about any type of relationship that you have with someone in the outer world or also the relationship you have with you. It's gonna be transformed, transmuted, whether you like it or not. So this is a very, very important time to really understand the essence and the truth of relationships. What is the spiritual significance, the energetics behind it? So that in this 3D world, you're able to be successful in all aspects of your relationship. So this entire month, we're working on that. We're applying specific energetic work to raise our frequency as it relates to relationships. And we're going to be getting really deep. We're going to be talking about sexual intimacy. We're going to be talking about Tantra. And we're also going to be looking at the true essence of love. We're going to be looking at the yoga of relationships and forgiveness. It's going to be a very impactful month instead of Satori. You have until the 3rd of February, this Wednesday, if you want to join us for this month's collective, because every month is energetically attuned with the cosmos, with what's happening in the world. And 
the reason that I cut it off on Wednesday is because that's when it's our first Kundalini class. And the classes are so intentionally uh, put in the calendar in a way that they create the biggest impact because every single month we work on some aspect of healing and transforming and self-sovereignty. And so you have until the third to join us to really get a grasp of this whole cosmic energy and to come out winning. Because like I was telling the women this morning inside of Sadhana, we are living in times of extremes. What does that mean? That there's no middle ground anymore. You're either in extreme fear or in extreme gratitude. And you're seeing this also with the way that we are being divided and this illusion of separation from sources becoming more pushed into the consciousness so that we don't take our power back, right? So what that means is also, you're also seeing even the way that the society is being divided into like the really, really poor and the really, really rich. And we can't fall asleep to these things. There's a big thing that happened last week. I don't know if any of you saw it with Wall Street and, uh, and GameStop and how basically the, the, the veil was pulled on how the predators, the 1% basically abused the market in itself. So there's a lot of things that are coming out into the horizon where really what this means is that the underdog is going to come out winning and those people that are still wearing their masks, those people that are still playing the facades, those people that, that are still playing, uh, living those double lives, karma is due. Karma is way overdue and you're going to start seeing pain in back of that karma. So it's very important for you to start to really take your sovereignty back by looking within and being truthfully honest with yourself being self-aware of your own programs, your own self-sabotaging beliefs, the way that you hold yourself back. Because 2020 was about all these excuses about how the outside world was holding you back from living your highest purpose. You know, it was all these different things. 2021, the realization is that it's always been you in your way. It's that it's you really truly want to live a beautiful, sovereign, gifted life of reverence. And it takes you not bypassing your own self-healing takes you getting out of the victim mentality. And it takes you also understanding the hero's journey, which is what we're going to be talking about this entire week. Now, the hero's journey, I actually elaborate a lot more about the hero's journey inside of my free training. You can actually take my 55-minute free training to understand the hero's journey, to understand the healing, self-healing journey. Because when you start to truly understand that, you can click on the link in the description below or the link inside of my IG bio. It's Veronica Berrigan. I am forward slash three step framework. It's going to give you an overview of what I'm talking about this week. Hero's journey, how to apply it in your life. So check out the training. But the beautiful part about when you start to really understand the hero's journey is two things. Number one, first of all, the life starts to make sense to you and you can start to become aware as to what aspect or what part of the hero's journey you're in. The second part, and this is where it really became really important for me, is that you learn how to transmute adversity into opportunity. You learn to become so sovereign that as challenges start to arise, you actually start to get excited about them. And you start to so learn the, the beautiful act of mindfulness and surrender. And you start to realize that within every challenge lies a key of wisdom and opportunity to truly grow and come home, which is what the hero's journey is all about. So this week, we're going to be looking at the hero's journey. Today, I'm going to explain to you what the hero's journey is so that you yourself can bring some awareness as to perhaps what part of the hero's journey you're in so you can make a little bit more sense of life and you can really realize how to surrender to the moment so that you know that you are protected, guided, and always in divine, divine, highest frequency. We'll look at the 12 steps today. And what I'll do is I'll also be sharing with you 
my life, how in itself, how it showed up in my own personal hero's journey and how I today am basically teaching, sharing this wisdom of self-healing, awakening spiritually, because I myself had to travel this journey, you know, in the age of Aquarius, the charlatans are definitely going down the drain. And we're seeing that only through self-experience can you truly be able to teach something. So this is a journey that for myself, I've been very, very grateful for. And when I found out this material, the subject matter that we're going to be talking about this, a knowledge from a very, um, a very wise teacher, his name is Joseph Campbell. He was a, prof- he's a he was, a, he died in, in the 1980s, but he was a professor here in the United States. And he, this, this hero's journey is played out in many different ways and cultures. You see it in the best movies of the world. And the thing is, is that we as human beings, we take this journey. Sometimes we're not aware that we're on the journey. Most of the time, something happens in our life, like what's happening right now or a tragic incident, which is what happened to me, several tragic incidents that really uh, awakened something in me that inside of me, I decided that I no longer wanted to live that fake life and that I wanted to start to learn to listen to my heart because it truly does require you wanting to move from the heart, from the mind to the heart, because you basically have, have, have had enough of the crazy, unstable, chaotic life that you've been living. And then sometimes it does take a tragedy to actually get us into this state of consciousness. Sometimes you're on the journey and you don't even realize you're on it. So in either case, it's really important for us to realize that there is a journey and that you yourself are a hero. You know, a lot of people don't realize that they are the answer and the guru that they've been seeking. And Joseph Campbell, he describes a hero as someone who is living out something bigger than themselves in this world. And as we continue to talk last week about the Celestine prophecies, about how we're always being guided by a highest consciousness, this is exactly what I mean. So as someone, and this is what we're doing as a civilization, as a civilization in the age of the Pisces, in the age of the patriarchy, we were basically guided only by our mind. We were shown how to compete, how survival of the fittest, and we were not really uh, shown how to communicate and work with the heart, which is the most powerful technology that you'll ever, ever come across, ever. More powerful than your iPhone, more powerful than artificial intelligence. Problem is that we're a society that doesn't know how to activate it. So we've created all of these technologies, all of these things with the mind. Now we're in the age of Aquarius, and this is what the great ancestors prophesize about, which tomorrow we're going to be talking about how ancestral karma shows up in the hero's journey. And so now we are moving as a civilization into heart coherence. And those that are not willing to go and surrender are suffering tremendously. Why? Because they are holding on to their egoic programs, their roles, even the drama. People become addicted to drama. People become addicted to fear. And it's, it's like we've talked about before, it's these, this fractured brain that becomes uh, fractured through the emotional traumatic experiences that they've experienced. And so the hero's journey, what Joseph Campbell talks about, which is really, really clear, is understanding that it's three facets. It's three different facets in your life. And sometimes it's not even in one lifetime, it's in many lifetimes. But there are 12 unique steps that we each go through. And that when we start to understand these steps, we start to really learn how to make sense of everything that is happening in our life. So we're going to be looking at the 12 steps and we're going to be looking at, I want you to, as I start to mention them, to tune into yourself and to truly become aware of your emotions as I'm mentioning them. This is going to help you become aware what part of the journey perhaps you're in. We don't want you to get stuck there. 
There's a lot of people that get stuck in the hero's journey and then they basically repeat lifetimes. That's what reincarnation is all about. In essence, when you self-realize, this is a, the 12 steps that I'm going to be sharing with you is a way for you to become self-realized, awaken spiritually without having to go through like a kundalini awakening, a spontaneous kundalini awakening, which is what I went through, but mine was very long and dragged out. It wasn't just one day overnight, which is what happened to my son. Now, with this process, you'll be able to uh, gradually move into this higher consciousness because truly what happens is that you become the hero. You become that who you idolize and who you worship. And that's what it means by coming back home to your truth. And this is where we learn that the adversities and the challenges were part of the journey that actually were a very, very instrumental in getting us back home to love. And that's what we all practice here in this university we call life. And so let's start first with the first part of the hero's journey that Joseph Campbell talks about. So we can start to really become aware as to where we may be in this journey. Number one, ordinary worlds. So you're in an ordinary world. Maybe you're even living a super successful life. That's exactly kind of what I, where I was. I was president of all these different nonprofit organizations. I was at the top of my game and in my business everything looked perfect on the outside yet on the inside I was dying and I was numbing myself with alcohol in your ordinary world perhaps you may just be on program I don't know if any of you have seen the movie click where you're basically on robotic over and over and over and just doing what you've been told to do over and over and over and over right and basically during this ordinary time of your life you're basically just trying to figure out who you are then comes the second part. This is where you feel there's a call to adventure of the 12 steps, right? So you're living an ordinary life. The call to adventure comes. Now the call to adventure, like I was mentioning to yourself, to, to ourselves, or like I was mentioning prior to this is sometimes it happens tragically. You may, maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's a death of someone you love. Maybe it's an accident, an illness. Maybe it's a Kundalini awakening which is what happened to me. Maybe it's something good as well. There's some people that have had awakenings and they started to see apparitions of sages and gurus and gods and goddesses without going through torture. Very few people, but there are some people, right? And so you, there's this call to adventure. Perhaps that tragedy showed you that there's something bigger in life and there's something in your heart that really wants to seek out what else there is out there. Now, remember, before you even embark on this journey, you would have had to, in that ordinary world, made a decision that you wanted, that you were done with that old life, that you were ready to move and live in your heart. That's why a lot of the times, a lot of the times through tragic situations, we actually finally hear the call to adventure, but you don't have to learn that way anymore. You know, you don't really don't. So you hear the call to adventure. For me, it was my Kundalini awakening. It happened in 2015. I was gradual in 2008 when the market first collapsed. That's when my spiritual awakening began in 2008 when the real estate market, we were, my husband and I were super young. We owned like six houses. I mean, we were, but we had all the material, but we were so miserable inside and our marriage was almost falling apart. We were dying inside pretty much. So from 2008 for me until about 2015, that's where the real call to adventure happened for me because the call to adventure for me was the kundalini awakening where in 2015 i had been meditating and since 2008 when the spiritual awakening first happened i had been practicing yoga and had hadn't heard of kundalini at that point 
And I had been dabbling here and there. I wasn't disciplined though, but I, I heard the call. I heard the call. I knew that in 2015, there was something that woke up in me. I was in a boardroom with all of these successful people. We were in a board meeting, politics. I used to lobby in Washington, DC. And I used to get so frustrated because we would be there, waste our time and nothing would change. And for me, it was very frustrating to be in leadership because I wanted change, right? And I remember hearing this voice inside of me that said, is this what you want to do for the rest of your life? And that day I literally came home and I decided to resign from all of my positions as leader in the industry. And people thought I was crazy. And I told my husband, I need to get away. This is not the life that I want. This is not the life that I want to live. So it was a call for me. It was a, and it had been several calls. You may have been receiving many calls already, but you're not listening. Right. But the moment when you don't listen, the thing is that really tragic things start to happen until your soul is able to pull you right back. So for me, it was a Kundalini awakening. Now my Kundalini awakening was not, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't a very, uh, filled with fear. It was just knowing that I needed to be with me and that I needed to connect with my heart more and knowing that the life that I was living is not something that I wanted to continue. For you, it could be something else, but you may be hearing something in your soul and your right now, especially with everything crumbling, that's asked, that's telling you, hey, there's something bigger out there than what you're living right now. So that's the call to adventure. The third step of the journey is the refusal of the call. This is exactly what happens. You start to refuse the call that says you need to go here. So then what happens? You suffer. Tragic incidents. They show up once twice and then you think you're a victim you a lot of people get stuck right here and this is what we're going to talk about tomorrow in the ancestral karma refusing the call is because we believe we're victims and a lot of people really tragic things happen to them and what what happens they they create an enemy of god they think god is punishing them right a lot of it has to do with karma have a lot of compassion i i don't even know how i myself through all of the crazy tragic things i went through how i still knew that that was God trying to reel me in instead of making an enemy of God. But the refusal of you listening to the call is what creates the suffering. And then you have deep personal doubts as to whether or not you're up for the challenge because you keep hearing the voice that says you can do this, you need to go out there, but you, you're filled with doubt. You don't know who you are. When this happens, you know, you, the hero, refuses the call and you suffer. And then you seem to face really tragic situations in your life. This would also be our own response and once again helps us bond further with the, with the reluctant hero. So we get to really learn and know ourselves through these refusals. We get to see, you get to a point, I don't know if you've been there ladies, but I wish I could tell you that I only had one dark night of the soul, but it was several, right? But then it got to that point where I was like the patterns, the self-awareness of how they were repeating the only thing that was similar was me and my state of awareness and my consciousness. So I thought, hmm, maybe I should try to change me instead of trying to change all of those people and all of those situations that keep happening to me. So there's a stage in your life where you may get stuck and refusing to actually answer the call. Then you got the fourth stage, which is meeting the mentor. So you might meet a teacher, you might meet a meditation teacher, a Kundalini teacher, you might meet a shaman, a, a holistic doctor. My mentor to me, believe it or not, in 2015 came as my son because he was at the point, he was younger, he was in high school, but he was already uh, 
uh, he was already researching uh, uh, psychedelic assisted psychotherapy. He was researching contemplative psychotherapy at a very young age. And he came to me and he said, mom, there's a uh, psychedelic assisted psychotherapy that we can do that you can do in uh, Peru with shamans. He taught me all about herbs and plant medicine and just incredible. And when he came to me, that's where we decided to go to Peru. And then the teachers came there, the mentors. And that was my big awakening. That was where all of my belief systems completely broke apart. They shattered completely. But that wasn't the end of the journey. We're barely in number four. That was just, you're not even halfway there. So I met the mentors. My mentor, I would say the biggest mentor that I've had is Mother Ayahuasca. And she still lives in me. And when I integrated her wisdom, her medicine inside of me, she opened up the divine feminine that was so blocked within me. I was only masculine driven. I only wanted to accumulate. I was very driven in the age of Pisces, of the Darwinian theory of step on each other's back until you can get to the top. That's what I was programmed to do. And so when I met the mentor, to me, the mentor was a series of mentors, my son, the shamans that I work with, but more importantly, Mother Ayahuasca, because Mother Ayahuasca still lives in me and she works through me in my classes and she's working through me right now in what I'm sharing. She's a divine force that guides and helps me throughout life. So that was my mentor and continues to be my mentor. So you may meet a mentor as well that teaches you something that opens up something in you that you knew was always there. So then you're meeting the mentor, right? For me, it was going to Peru. Then you're getting ready to actually cross the threshold. The hero is now ready to act upon his call to adventure and truly begin his quest, whether it be physical, spiritual, or emotional. He may go willingly or he may be pushed. But either way, he finally crosses the threshold between the world he is familiar with and that which he is not. And that is exactly what happened to me. When I came back from Peru, I crossed the threshold. <laughs> Integration back into Western society was the hardest thing in the world. But that's not the end. That's barely step five. You're finally crossing the threshold. You may have done a meditation. You may have experimented with plant medicine. You may have done a breathing technique. Something happened. You answered the call. You met the mentor. You crossed the threshold. The threshold of what? Of believing that you're just this body. There's something bigger. Now you're actually seeing it and you're now crossing over. Then comes number six, test allies, enemies. This is all that happened to me after I came back from Peru. It wasn't the, the plant medicine prepared me for what was going to happen when I got back here. That's not the end of the hero's journey. Because when you have finally answered the call, said, yes, there's going to be adversity, challenges, you're going to be out into the world, the light attracts bugs. The more that you are in your satnam, in this polarity, the more the darkness is going to come to try to prevent you from self-realizing. It's not like it's, I would call it even evil. It's just part of quantum physics. It's just part of universal law. The more that you move into your light, look what happened to Jesus Christ, moved into his light, they came and crucified him because he, he was beyond what we could accept in this physical reality. So as you start to acquire the wisdom 
there's going to be allies and enemies that are going to try to take you down. Ultimately, it's your own mind. And I was even foretold about this when I was in the jungle, when we were in the plane flying back from the Peruvian jungle, there was a professor who taught at the local university there in, in Lima, Peru, grabbed my husband's hand. We were in high frequency. We were grateful. We were so, we were cleansed, detoxified. We were in, in, a, in a state of, of high vibration. And he grabbed my husband's hand and he said, when you get back to the United States, life is going to get very, very, very difficult. You will have near-death experiences. You will be tested. There will be allies and enemies. Your family will be, it'll be torn apart. The people will be torn or." essence the some kind of he didn't call it people he said the energies will be trying to pull you apart don't worry everything's going to be okay he literally told my husband this on the plane and we just looked at each other and we didn't even believe him we didn't never thought about it again got down from the plane the series of events each of us myself my husband my two sons all of us went through our own near-death experiences so that's when the real allies the tests the enemies come they don't start over here when you say yes to the journey they start when you start to really self-realize and heal because again it's that darkness that's trying to pull you back from to that program and then you got the next part which is approaching to the inmost cave which for me means facing your biggest demons this is when i went from i am not a victim even if all these crazy things are happening I am not a victim. I surrender. I know who I am. And I had to face my demons there. This is the deepest dark night of the soul that then led to step eight, which is step eight is ordeal. The biggest dark night of the soul that you'll ever go through. And for me, that happened when I stopped drinking alcohol and my son had a near death experience. It took all of that pain all of that disconnection from source, all of that feeling that something was out to get me, to realize that I was my own enemy. It was my mind. And I had to face my biggest demon. And my biggest demon was alcohol. And it wasn't until I faced that dark night of the soul and I realized that I had to transcend that because I was carrying my ancestors' karma that I was able to move to the next part. So for me, number eight which is the ordeal was finally facing the demons and healing myself from alcohol addiction through kundalini and it was through the meditations and through the integration kundalini helped me integrate everything that happened in peru helped me restabilize my energy system which was completely out of whack i was living only in the upper triangle i was not living in my lower triangle i was a spirit not wanting to be in this physical world and I didn't want to face those demons. And most importantly, I didn't want to accept them. I rejected myself in so many ways. So then the ordeal comes. My youngest had a near-death experience. I respond with numbing myself. And I had to face the biggest demon of all. And that's when number 10 comes in. Or number nine, I'm sorry. The reward. Seizing the sword. That's when you take your power back your sovereignty and you heal from the biggest thing that you're faced with this in this incarnation that you thought you would never heal you literally take your whole power back and that's when I stopped drinking alcohol and I use kundalini every single day 
as a technology to restabilize my, my nervous system, to heal the brain from the addiction and picked up that sword every single day. And then comes number 10, the road back. Here I am coming back home, realizing that we numb ourselves. We go on the journey, we try to seek and find because we can't be comfortable with who we truly are. We can't be in our hearts. We can't be in our home. So we leave to learn all of these lessons and then to come back home to where you're at. Number 11, the resurrection. The resurrection is a rebirth. It is one that you'll never forget. It is one that you don't go back to your programs ever again. You don't go back to drinking. You don't go back to toxic relationships. You don't go back to lack mentality. You don't go back to not feeling lack of self-worth. You don't go back. You just don't go back. And that's exactly what number 11 is about. And we all take this journey into the resurrection. And then the last part is the return with the elixir. There's a secret elixir that many people have talked about many times. A lot of people think the secret elixir is actually plant medicines. For me, it definitely was part of it. It was plant, the plant medicine was the elixir, elixir that opened up my heart into a whole new state of consciousness. But the secret elixir for me became Kundalini technology. Because without Kundalini technology, I wouldn't have been able to integrate all of that. And then return with the secret elixir to be able to share it with others. And the thing is, is that I also, at one point in my life was shown, Mother Ayahuasca showed me how I would be sharing her medicine with the world. And I thought I would be somehow be trained through, through um, plant medicines to become a shaman or, or work with the uh, psychedelic assisted psychotherapy, which is something that I am going to do in my life for sure, but it's deeper and more meaningful than this. For me, Mother Ayahuasca works through me every time I speak. My, my classes, my Kundalini classes, I, I leave my body and she comes in and takes over. And she does all of the healing and all of the different things that happen. And she works through me in all aspects of my life. So she, she is being shared. Her essence, her healing, the, the uh, capabilities for self-realization are being healed. They're just maybe not being given in a cup, you know, to be able to drink. But the energy is being transmuted through me. And I, when I surrender to that, it is the most beautiful, mystical moment of my entire life. And that's bliss. And that's what Joseph Campbell taught with these 12 steps, follow your bliss. You know, there's a story that he shared and I'm gonna share this with you and we're gonna end with this today. He talked about this, he was having dinner one day and he overheard a conversation between a father and a son. They were having dinner, the mom was there, father and son. The son is refusing to drink his tomato juice and the father is saying, drink your tomato juice, drink your tomato juice. And the mother finally chimes in and says, you know what? He doesn't have to drink his tomato juice if he doesn't want to. And the father turns to the mother and says, if, if I was to do things in life that I actually wanted to do, I wouldn't be successful. All of my life, I've had to do things that I don't want to do. And that's why he has to do that too. He was one of the most miserable human beings, very sad human beings that Joseph Campbell had ever been around. So he was trained to never ever follow his bliss, 
to never ever try to make sense of his life. He never, that father never once ever did something that he wanted to do. He always was programmed to do things, to be a hard worker, to do things based on what his parents told him to do, to drink the tomato juice, even though he didn't like it. You got to think about your life as well. Are you following your bliss? Are you aware that you're on the hero's journey? Are you aware of what aspect of the hero's journey you're in? Could you possibly learn to surrender and have a little bit more compassion for yourself? Could you possibly learn how to trust and learn to have more reverence for all aspects of the journey? Because for me, reading this back and looking at it, it's a beautiful thing to see and to be able to look back and connect the dots and not connect the dots when I'm dying in my deathbed, but to do it in, my, in this living incarnation and to be able to release myself from any type of victim mentality and know that everything is always happening perfectly for us. And that's what this hero journey truly teaches us. And that's what this is all about. So I hope these 12 steps really helped you become a little bit more aware of perhaps what part of the journey you're in. Or maybe you haven't even joined the journey yet. Maybe you're still sitting in that first step, in that comfort zone, afraid to open your heart. Now, the next couple of days, we're going to be looking at yogic tools, kundalini yogic tools to help us on the hero's journey. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about ancestral karma. A lot of people don't realize the impact of ancestral karma on the hero's journey. For me, this became very, very quickly an awareness that I've had to work on energetically for many years now. That has become an honor to actually be able to share with so many others. So tomorrow we're gonna to be looking at ancestral karma, how it actually impacts your own personal hero's journey. And then Wednesday, we're gonna be looking at transcending adversity into opportunity. We're gonna be looking at the last part of the hero's journey, which I believe a lot of people are actually stuck in right now. I really do believe that with everything that happened, especially in 2020, whether you liked it or not, you got put on the hero's journey. And now more of us are moving into heart coherence. So we're gonna be talking a lot more about that. How do we really transcend adversity? Because when I tell you that I've been through every dark night of the soul possible, let me tell you, I've been through every dark night of the soul possible. And I still can live in a state of conscious now, not feeling that the other shoe is going to drop or that God has punished me. In fact, I really have learned that through all of those uh, opportunities, I call them AFCO, another fucking growth opportunities. I've actually really learned who I truly am and have really learned to love myself and to accept myself and all my wholeness and all the darkness and all the light because we ain't hiding any aspect of it. So we'll continue the conversation tomorrow, ladies, at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Around that time, it looks like I'm jumping on here a little bit later now, around 10.30 a.m. And tomorrow we're going to look at ancestral karma. It's pretty deep. So get ready to really go down the rabbit hole with me tomorrow, 10.30 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Have a blessed rest of your Monday. Today's Monday, yeah? Have a blessed rest of your Monday. And don't forget, check out the training SWC method to find out more you have until the third because I really want to cut off the day till the third to join us for this month's collective on uh, the classes that we're doing. It's all relationship based. So join us beautiful goddesses. And this is for anybody who's in a relationship, not in a relationship, doesn't want a relationship, uh, wants to heal the relationship with themselves, or just wants to understand relationships. So make sure you join us there. Thanks for being here. Just send I love you so much. Grace, I love you so so much by the way ladies both of you 
of hot, hot pictures I saw yesterday. You ladies look gorgeous. All of you, by the way, but I just saw some very beautiful pictures yesterday from Yesenia and Grace. Let me just tell you ladies, uh, you look gorgeous, beautiful queens. Such an honor to have you as part of our community. So thank you so much for being here, goddesses. I will see you tomorrow. We're going to talk a lot about ancestral karma. Have a blessed rest of your Monday. Satnam. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's Sovereign Women Movement Show podcast episode. Let's continue the conversation by joining me in my free training on how to heal emotionally and awakening spiritually, where I share with you my exact three-step framework, the SESWC method on how to take your sovereignty back. So click on the link below and pick a time that works best for you. Also, follow me on Instagram at Veronica Bear again, I am, and also in our community page at Sovereign Woman Movement. I look forward in connecting with you there. Satnam.